The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, this is Alexis Haynes, and welcome to Recovering from Reality, where I illuminate the messy and magical path of coming home to yourself. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, we're serving up the ultimate truth. Your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So, are you ready to recover from reality? I think part of my work in postpartum is getting people to connect to their own intuition about things. Ugh, love that. You know, I always say to them, like, my job is to work myself out of a job. Mm-hmm. If I leave here and you're still feeling like, oh, I can't do this, or like, oh, Brandy would, you know, then I haven't done my job because you grew this person or you adopted this person or you got them through surrogacy. However it is, I do believe that our children pick us. Mm-hmm. And so there's something about you, flaws and everything that is meant to help shepherd this child through their next you know, path or whatever. And so if you're using what I have in my tools more than what you have, then it's a mismatch for why this child chose you. That was a quick clip from this week's episode with Brandy Jordan. It's my birthday and um, I have COVID. (laughs) So fun. That was the grossest laugh ever. Uh, I'm sick with COVID. Uh, What a great way to ring in 31. I can't believe I'm 31, y'all. 31 amazing trips around the sun. And in this week's episode... We're talking about birth because my sister just had her baby and unfortunately I missed her birth. I was supposed to be her doula like I was for her first child, Atticus, but that didn't end up working out because we all got coronavirus. So I've been wanting to sit down with Brandy from the Dear Doula podcast for a while I just feel like we both have a really balanced approach to parenting and um, birth. And so this episode, it's a great one. Whether you've had kids, you're going to have kids, you're not going to have kids. There's so much in here that you will take away. I'm sure of it. With that, I can barely get out another sentence because I'm going to start coughing again. So I'm going to go, but I love you guys and I hope you have a great week. First of all, I'm so happy that you're on the network. I listen to your podcast. I'm a big fan. Actually, I was catching up because recently you had Gabby Bernstein on. I had her on my podcast recently. That was a really profound episode. That was a really, really, so many nuggets of truth and just like great little tidbits in there. And also just vulnerable and real. It was a great episode. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Gabby's great. Like, can't she have a bad bad episode? I'm not sure. I don't know. Uh, But yes, obviously, you know, you being on the network and seeing what you're doing. And I think I come from a trauma background and working with a lot of trauma. So it's always piqued my interest in just seeing people be able to have everyday conversations in a non-clinical way about healing from trauma is really important work. So I'm glad that you're here and doing that work for people. Oh, thank you. I am excited to dive into birth, birth talk with you. My sister, as I was saying, is due any day now, and I will be assisting her for her second out-of-hospital birth. I love birth work, and I know that you work more in the postpartum realm of mm-hmm. things, but what made you want to get into uh, working as a postpartum doula? 
You know, I get asked that question a lot. It chose me, actually. I thought I'd be doing, like, something... I don't want to say creepy, but like something, <laughs> something like, you know, I'd be working in like corporate sales or something. Uh-huh. That's what I thought when I was like in high school. That sounds very creepy to me. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it does sound creepy, yeah. but I'm tra- like, mm-hmm. maybe you work in corporate sales and you're not a creepy person. So I don't want to offend you. But <laughs> for me, it would yeah. be not the thing. Yeah. Or like, you know, I, you know, honestly, like I remember people like I was being recruited by pharmaceutical sales reps, like when mm. I was in college. And it sounded good because you got a car and a laptop and whatever. And it's just like, yeah, now I understand why they got all those things. But anyway. (laughs) Sell your soul to the devil. (laughs) I was at home for the summer from my first year of college in the car listening to NPR. And they were talking about this old timey career called midwifery. Mm. And I was like, what is this? Like, what? And so I cold called a birth center in Houston where I'm from. And for whatever crazy reason, they allowed a 19 year old to come and train with them and they were just like oh like you want to be a birth assistant and I was like okay cool but I was also like 19 I was like who's gonna take this seriously so I kind of put it out of my head and then when I moved to California to continue my educational studies I moved next door to the Hollywood Birthing Center Mm -hmm. and I went there they were like oh you want to be a doula and I was like what's that tell me about it went to training and that was it yeah and then you switched from birth work into postpartum yeah I started off doing birth and I loved it I think it's a it's one of the most fantastic things I've ever been a part of. Like mm-hmm. when I was doing births in Houston, my first birth was a 10 pound water birth. Ah, and just wonderful. to see like what a woman could do with her body. Yeah. I remember being 19, just being like, this is not what they show on TV. Like yeah. this is quiet. It is beautiful. It is spiritual. Like it, it just took my breath away. And I was actually in the room with my ne- when my nephew was born. I was about 16. And so I had that same feeling. And so I love birth. I I think I'm amazing at doing births, but my gift is in postpartum. And so I was doing births and parents saying like, can you come? Like we're having this issue in postpartum. And I would come and I just saw that like I could create magic there in ways that I I wasn't doing in birth, even though I was really good at it. So I say it chose me. Like I didn't have the idea that I would work in postpartum. I really got into this field, well, for a number of reasons. And when I join you on your podcast, we'll dive into that more, I'm sure. But for me, birth is a sacred spiritual experience. And so is that postpartum period. And I think that often gets lost. You know, mm-hmm. we are so focused in the Western world on dropping that baby weight and just getting back to normal and, and diving back into work. And when can we, you know, have sex and go back to doing all of these things. And what that postpartum period, that fourth trimester is really calling us to do is to really slow down and reevaluate our lives. And so I think the postpartum, the the role of a postpartum doula is just as important as a birth doula. And, oh, I don't want to say even more so, but it's just, it is really important work. And I think that that first six weeks for a mother is almost a make it or break it time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think in general, in the Western world, we don't have our reverence for becoming mm-hmm. parents, whether that's the pregnancy phase, the postpartum phase, we've forgotten that it's a spiritual event. Yeah. It's become more about like the registry and the, you know, 24 to 48 hours in the hospital. Most people aren't even thinking about what happens <laughs> after the fact, but even for the pregnancy and the birth, there's just a sense of like going through the motions and not like taking the time to connect. And, you know, I say this really came to light during the pandemic because we saw amazing outcomes for birth. We saw the Mm. premature birth rate plummet. 
Yep. And that's because we're forced to slow down. Because we're not stressed. You weren't stressed. Yeah. You weren't going to the office until you pop because you don't have enough maternity leave to take mm-hmm. it off when you're pregnant. You know, all of those things, we see what an effect it had on people and their birth and their postpartum. And so I, you know, I'm hoping, well... I'm not even hoping because I know that we're not going to do it, but we're going right back to how it was before. My hope during that time is that we will see how amazing that this is. I hoped as a culture, I hoped as a culture, we would go the nine to five, five day, you know, 40 hour work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Working endlessly with no paid time off, with no vacation time, with no family leave. All of these things are not sustainable. And it almost feels like we've gone back even more. Mm -hmm. Like we've just, dove in head first like back we need to catch into up this system <laughs> to all the work yes. that we didn't do let's do it now and i think this idea that it's this just this process it's clinical you go to the hospital or even if you're doing it at home you know one of the things i think that made me different in the way that i did postpartum is that yeah i can teach you how to like swaddle your baby and sleep mm-hmm. but i really want to teach you how you can like thrive as a person yes you have this window this opportunity that only happens during this period of becoming a parent it's one of the few times in life that you get to like completely transform yourself from the inside out and it's not coming from a place of crisis yeah usually it's like I'm getting a divorce or, you know, someone is cheating or I got a cancer diagnosis. That's when we want to change our lives and like become mm-hmm. better. And, and I think parenting is this one like portal that opens for you to be able to make this change yeah. in a place of what should be joy. And it's not always that for many people when they have a new child, but it can be. Yeah. And I think that's it what I teach It can be with people. the right support. Yeah, with the right support. I think, and that's why I'm always going to advocate. I'm like, we need birth doulas. That should just be access accessible to everyone and mm-hmm. postpartum doulas to everyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, we really have this huge disconnect because we don't live in multi-generational housing anymore where, you know, mothers would be supported by their mothers and grandmothers in that postpartum period. I'm sure you see that culturally. That's a shift, right? Mm-hmm. Like in certain cultures, that's still prominent. But in a lot of cultures, and I think in most of the Western world, it's not anymore. I mean, let's be real. Most of the grandmas in the U.S. are still working. Yeah, now they, they are. can't retire. Now they are. <laughs> they yeah, don't have pensions. They can't retire. That wasn't the thing 30 years it wasn't ago, the but thing. now they are. You know? Yeah. Healthy living takes effort and is more important than ever. Change is hard, but existing habits are extremely powerful. That is where the new wellness brand Better and Better comes in. They embedded their health and wellness into our existing habits and routines. How are they doing this? With a science-backed two-in-one natural vegan toothpaste. Better and Better's toothpaste is formulated to strictest clean ingredient standards with safe, gentle, vegan, natural, and organic ingredients that you'll recognize. They've removed all the bad stuff. There's no SLS, no parabens, no GMO, no gluten, no harsh abrasives, and no artificial colors or flavors. And it is infused with a daily dose of vitamins that you need. The great thing about using Better and Better's Energy Toothpaste is that with these vitamins infused, it's just that you have to brush your teeth. You brush your teeth as normal and you get the daily dose of vitamins that are delivered through sublingual and transbuccal, your gums and underneath your tongue, absorption in your mouth, which is actually more efficient than your gut. There's no swallowing pills, no new habits to create, and no extra costs. Right now, you can try Better and Better's vitamin-infused toothpaste and any of their oral care products when you save with this exclusive offer just for our listeners. 
Just use code reality at checkout for 20% off your first order. Visit betterandbetter.com to learn more about the science behind their toothpaste, their super clean ingredients, and shop. Don't forget, you can save 20% off your first order at betterandbetter.com with code reality at checkout. Are you going on date after date and still not finding the one or getting a text back? Well, you're probably doing something wrong. And I am here to tell you exactly what that is. I'm Lindsay Metzlar and I host We Met at Acme. It's a dating podcast that gives you all the rules and guidelines that you need to date successfully. Hey, it worked for me and now I'm married. So you really should give it a listen if you haven't already. And you can also hear the horrors of dating. Everything that you want to hear is in We Met at Acme. So check it out. You know, we're also having kids, you know, later. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, how much can your 80 year old mom help you in postpartum if she's yeah. like 85 and she's tired herself, you know? But I think, you know, I live between France and the States. It's been half time in each of the places. And so I feel like I get to have perspective. Like it's really mm-hmm. helped me to appreciate things about the United States more, but it also helped me to see that there's a lot of things that are effed up. Let's talk that about it. What are the huge cultural differences there in, in your work? When it comes to parenting and, and postpartum, as a culture, as a society in France, like your your basic needs are taken care of. Mm-hmm. Like you're not worried about not having time off. You're not worried about mm-hmm. having quality medical care. You're not worried about being a black woman and dying in childbirth. Yep. You know, as a working parent, you know that your child has access to quality child care. You know that your child has access to universal preschool. That they're eating quality food when they're at school. Like when we're there, my kid's school has like, it's organic. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's free. It's not like we're paying here where it's like, you know, 2000 per kid for preschool. Like those things are just basic things that every person expects to have available to them when they have a child. God, what I would do for that $14,000 a year back <sighs> from my kid's Tell me preschool. About it. And it's like I'm a working parent. Most of my paycheck goes to my daughter's preschool. Yeah. Or childcare costs. Like if someone's paying for a yeah. nanny, you know, exactly. it's those things that, you know, they. I think it was Mandela that said you can tell a nation by how it te- treats its children. Mm. And you think about just like the basic things that everyone should have access to when you have those, the desperation that goes away, yeah. the stress that goes away, that people are actually able to like actually have the mental bandwidth to connect and to nest and to do those things. Not to say that no one does it here, but it's different when you know you it's have those a privilege met. to do it here. Yeah. Like when my, it should just be it should be universal. The, that's just how it is. You know? Yeah. And just thinking about like, you know, fertility care, for example, if you're having issues with having a child here, you know, if you don't have forty or fifty thousand dollars to invest in this, you're probably just going to struggle. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that in France that it's under a certain age. I think I think it's under like age forty four, but it is covered by the government. Amazing. So getting IVF and the nurse comes to your home to give you the shots. You don't have like your husband weirdly trying to shoot you up the butt <laughs> with like <laughs> this stuff. Like my clients are just like, I don't know how yeah. to do it. He doesn't know how to do it. Yep. You know, so you End have up this with nurse all over your I know. stomach. Awful. Yeah. yeah. This nurse coming in. To like give yeah. you these shots and you build this relationship and mm-hmm. like it's just a different process that isn't necessarily the have and have nots. And when we talk about good health outcomes, right? Mm-hmm. I I think about the postpartum period and how, well, actually this is kind of a bigger issue. The formula shortage right now in the United States. There is a massive formula shortage. I'm sure most of my listeners know this by now. And 
so many women are online in my Facebook communities saying, I just, I could never produce enough milk. And when I remember going through my postpartum doula training and learning about like the small percentage of people who actually cannot produce enough milk. And then I had to go, how much of this, and you can choose not to breastfeed. That's totally fine. You, everyone has every right to sleep train their kid or not, or breastfeed or not, or whatever it might be. But how many women are told or believe that they can't actually produce enough milk when in reality, it's an a very small percentage of women who do not make enough milk. Mm -hmm. And so then I look at, oh no, this has to do with the way that we operate as a society. Mm -hmm. This is stress. This is not enough time for that fourth trimester to establish a milk supply. This is lack of support, lack of lactation support. And I, I just think, yeah, if we don't do something soon, we are fucked. Yeah, to I put mean, it in a not so yeah. nice way. Like, well, I putting on my lactation consultant hat. Like, this mm -hmm. is something I get fired up about because people have this assumption. Like, to be truly honest, I don't care if you breastfeed your kid or not. Same. Like, I'm not in this no, game because yeah, I'm out prophesizing. Exactly. Like, yeah, do whatever the hell you want. Like, I don't care. However, I know that so many people are making a decision with faulty information. Mm -hmm. This whole idea about not being able to make enough. That's not the whole story. Let's talk about like working until you're 41 weeks pregnant and you're overstressed and your adrenal glands are all messed up and you had 127 interventions. Let's talk about how your birth affects how you're able to breastfeed. Tell people that like if you are having fertility issues and you need some help getting pregnant, you're probably going to need some help in the postpartum mm -hmm. because those same hormones you need to have this baby, you need to be able to produce milk. Doesn't mean you're not mm -hmm. going to be able to, but you need the help and the education. And what most people are missing is the education. Mm -hmm. And so it used to be that only poor women were breastfeeding. Now you mostly see people who are at a higher socioeconomic level because they have the education. They have the $500 pump. They have maternity leave. And so, so much of not being able to breastfeed is really a public health issue and crisis and not about people and their breasts and their hormones. I agree. 100%. And it's a real shame that lactation services and basic education aren't given to women when they're pregnant. I mean, I, I think about how many women I go, what do you need when you're pregnant? Well, one, you need to know how your body works. How, what do we need in sex education? Actually, let's go all the way mm -hmm. back there. We need to know how our bodies work, how we actually get pregnant, what a cycle is, how to track it, what's going on in our cycles throughout the month, the hormonal changes, what to expect during that time, how milk is produced, you know, all of those things. We need to know that. Yeah. I mean, I think just so many things point to not having a huge interest in women and children mm. as like a subject matter or something to advocate behind or we would have these things. I think, you know, when I think about all the things that people miss out on, I think there's this idea that a certain person can breastfeed or a certain person can't. And I, I don't want to miss the fact that there's a lot of shitty, mean lactation consultants. So yeah. <laughs> I don't want to deny Just that. Just like fact. there's a lot of shitty, mean nurses and there's a lot of great ones. And there's, you know, you know what I mean? And so spectrum. I understand why some people shy away from it, because yeah. for such a long time, there have been people like, you know, if you don't breastfeed, then you're a terrible person. You know, I once had clients this is what actually made me become a lactation consultant is that a client came back from like a mommy and me circle kind of thing. And she had said you know, in the circle that like she had some complications after the birth. And so she was tired. And so they took the baby to the nursery. And this lactation consultant slash facilitator said, that's like a mama bear cub abandoning her cub in the woods is what she told her. 
for her deciding to have her baby in the nursery for a little bit so she could catch up on some rest. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, that's not what it's supposed to be about. I thought lactation support was supposed to educate you and to help you make a decision that was best for you, not what I think you should be doing. You know, on the flip side, you know, working in, I previously worked in the hospital in lactation and I would have someone who would come with their like fourth or fifth baby and I'd spend that 30 or 45 minutes bedside teaching them. They were like, if I had have heard this four babies ago, I would have nursed all every my one kids. of my kids would have been breastfed. And yep. that is unacceptable. Saved so much money. Unacceptable. I, yep. Yep. And I would have been able to at least have the option of, of having. Yeah of, yeah. of having that, that like, not to say that the connection is different, but that experience, which a lot of women want, but just can't have because they just don't have the support. But I think also as a society, we got into this point where we can't tell the truth. Mm. Your baby's not going to prison if your baby's on formula. Fuck no. However, I'm not going to tell you that formula is the same as breast milk. It's not. You know, it's like human the milk two made things for human are not babies. mutually exclusive. Exactly, is not going to be the same. No. So I can't collude to say that it's not better, but your kid's not going to be any less smart. <laughs> They're going to be mm -hmm. fine. But I think that on both sides, we've got to this point where we can't say because, oh, I'm going to offend someone if I say that breast milk is superior to formula. And I'm going to offend someone if I say it's fine if you want a formula feed. But I think the reason why we find it offensive is because we make it about us. Mm -hmm. We think we're a failure because we chose whatever option or that we're sh being shamed because of whatever transpired mm -hmm. to lead to that decision. And that's not the truth. But we have to be able to have an honest and it is a nuanced, you know, matter, but an honest conversation about it. And do I believe that like as a society, we would probably thrived in more of like a hunter-gatherer society where women took care of each other mm -hmm. and everyone was fed and the babies were nursed by, you know, maybe a multitude of women where women were supported and sleeping and all of, and the babies were kept close to us at all times. And you know what I mean? And baby wearing and all the things. Yeah. And that's also not a reality for like most women. Yeah. We're not there anymore. We're and not I'll tell be. you what, I have two kids. My first kid, I was petrified. I was going to have a home birth ended up with an emergency C-section. I was going to baby wear and she was never going to cry and we were going to co-sleep and we were going to do all the things and breastfeed and da, da 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 I did all of that and I found myself depressed with mm -hmm. severe postpartum depression and anxiety to the point where I was like in a psychosis, mm -hmm. calling my husband to 5150 me because it was that bad, no sleep for a year and a half. It was awful, right? Couldn't lose weight. Hormones were all over the place, just depleted. And then with my second, had a hospital birth, opted for the epidural, had a VBAC, great experience, ended up with three blood clots in my lung, which none of the doctors caught, almost died, but made it through the postpartum experience. And by the time she was nine months old, I was like, formula I'm done mm -hmm. I am done and I slept trained her at nine months old and my sanity came back and so I did things a little bit differently and guess what both of my kids are fine see that's the thing I think that more people need to understand that like even what I'm saying is like a, like I'm really putting this in quotations as a parenting expert mm -hmm. don't ever exchange that information for what you know to be true for yourself and your kids take it as like an asterisk like you can add it you can use it if it applies I think part of my work in postpartum is getting people to connect to their own intuition about things. I oh, love that. You know, I, I always say to them, like, my job is to work myself out of a job. Mm -hmm. If I leave here and you're still feeling like, oh, I can't do this or like, oh, Brandy would, you know, 
then I haven't done my job because you grew this person or you adopted this person or you got them through surrogacy. However it is, I do believe that our children pick us. Mm -hmm. And so there's something about you, flaws and everything that is meant to help shepherd this child through their next, you know, path or whatever. And so if you're using what I have in my tools more than what you have, then it's a mismatch for why this child chose you. Mm-hmm. And so I think for a lot of the parents that I work with, that I meet them at six, seven months and they are exhausted. They are having mental health breakdowns. So much of that is due to them following things that they think they're supposed to be doing, that if they don't do, they're failing. And that's what's causing all the upset. This is why they're not thriving. They're not really following what's true to them. Yep. I also will say while we're like speaking truth that as a birth doula, because of the way that we birth and as a birth doula who's assisted, I don't even know how many births at this point. I've been doing this for eight years now. So a lot of births, a a lot of babies, Mm -hmm. a lot of births. Okay. And as a mother myself, who's had, you know, both a C-section and a home-ish birth, pushed her butt out at home and had to transfer crowning. It was awful. Sounds awful. So bad. And, you know, hospital birth with an epidural. So I've had like a whole spectrum of it, right? I will say that I believe that the way that, because you were talking about like that intuition that we get, I believe that the way we birth strips women of this, when we birth in the hospital in the traditional Western way, it almost strips us of that divine knowing. Mm -hmm. Like when I have... A home birth, even if it's a challenging home birth, but at the end of that birth, those first few moments mm-hmm. where, ba- you know, moms pull baby up onto chest and there's there's almost like this divine download that happens where it's like everything I need to know mm-hmm. is there. Like I know how to trust myself. I know how to trust my body. I know how to trust my baby. I know all of this. And obviously that's not the outcome every time I have a home birth, but like most of the time it is. Versus what I see in the hospital when women are poked and prodded and told what to do and what position to be in and all of the things. And it's like we almost don't. And this is not to say that it's wrong or it's bad, but I do believe that it like kind of robs us of that that download of that knowingness of that stepping into our power, into our role as parent. Mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. That comes in those first few moments. They're so sacred. Yeah, I think, I mean, I've had two hospital births and a home birth, and they were very different. They were all, I mean, my last one was, that was a whole story, but it ends up still being a beautiful situation. It definitely, I mean, there was something about obviously being in my own home, you know, having my daughter, my husband caught her, and then being in our bed with her, just looking at her and staring at her for two hours, and then having the women, like, you know, bring me drinks and like want to feed me and like them, you know, Mm -hmm. clean my house and do the things like while we just had that moment for like the first three hours, as opposed to being in a hospital, it's more clinical. Like they're not there to like nurture me and like, you know, spoon feed me orange juice. Like it's like wipe your baby off, roll them up. Let's go on to the next one. Go get showered, (laughs) get into your bed and we'll turn off the light. Adios. And it's like, wait, did I just give birth? Like a human, not even like a moment of, you know, and even in the most baby friendly hospitals at Cedars, you know, like that's, you know, they call themselves baby friendly hospitals. And you're like, are you though? Like, I mean, I think they are 
doing what they can, the space that they have, a lot of the mm -hmm. hospitals, unfortunately, like, you know, they're worried about being sued as they should in some ways. So like, mm -hmm. I understand why the things are the way they are, but that sense of awe that people should have about the fact that you grew a person and it came out of your body. Yeah. The fact that like every time it takes my breath away. Me too. And it doesn't do that for a lot of people in the hospital. <laughs> like yeah. I think some of the nurses, of course, there's amazing nurses who give that to people. There are great. It's just different, uh, yes. you know? And so, you know, I feel like people, it's not that it's taken away necessarily, but it's numbed. Yeah. I think you still will get that download at some point. You still will get that sense of knowingness if you're committed to that. But I think you get like a head start. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I also think it's environmental because if you yeah. go home to a chaotic house with this a husband true. who doesn't know how to support you and no support, you're not going to. You're going to be left flailing. And so I just I think it is important that like we have honest conversations about this. And this is not to say that I'm like pro home birth or mm -hmm. hospital birth or whatever it might be. It's just like we we have to consider all of these things because when we look at maternal mortality rates and infant mortality rates and mother, mother uh, mental health outcomes and all of these things, our environment, the way that we birth, where we birth, all of it matters. And I think it goes back to we can't give our power over to the doctor to say this is what birth is. Mm. So many people have the single story. Yeah. about what birth looks like, about what postpartum is, because they saw it on, I don't know, ER or something. I don't know. And unless you're having conversations or listening to a conversation like this, or you have friends who've done it differently, you don't know what's available to you. You don't know that it doesn't have to be a clinical situation. Like mm -hmm. it can be a very beautiful spiritual process as well, depending on the kind of you know pregnancy that you're having. And a lot of people don't know that. And so I think that people who are thinking about having kids or you're thinking about having another kid, Take ownership over getting yourself educated. Step into spaces and to places that don't think like you, that might have what you might consider a very hippy-dippy, you know, view of birth and postpartum, because maybe you're not going to take all of that with you, but some of it is going to yeah. open your mind. It's going to make you think differently about what you have to do to protect that space, that download, that sense of knowing. And it's going to look different for us, but you're not going to know that unless you get around people who can give you a different perspective. Absolutely. If you guys want to learn more about the statistics and the, the safety of home birth or out of hospital birth versus birth, you can go back to one of my earlier episodes with one of my favorite midwives ever who Gabby is delivering with Robin Poole. She's been on the podcast before. Thank you so much for joining me today. Where can everyone follow you on social media and consume more of your content? So obviously they can follow my podcast, Dear Doula, which is also on Dear Media. We have an IG, which is Dear Doula Podcast, it's our IG. You can follow me at Brandy underscore Jordan underscore official on Instagram. And if they're looking for that support, my agency, The Cradle Company, supports people in home and postpartum throughout the United States. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. This week's affirmation is, I am in love with myself and my body, and so it is. If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, follow along with us, leave a review. It means so much to me. There are new episodes of Recovering From Reality every Monday, and you can follow me on social at Recovering From Reality or visit my website, recoveringfromreality.com. 